powered from the Podomo Cigar Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 225 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome Eric Bay of Black Star Line Cigars as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Race introduces another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scott is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo's Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensive 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. Com. And by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of the JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you will experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app via mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is a special Wednesday evening edition of the Primetime Show. Uh, this is Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Red Stage. And I'm joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? Good, Aaron. It's been a while, I think, since we've yeah. done one of these. We had a little break. Uh, yep. I had a definite well-needed break. So uh, <laughs> um, we're, we're, I'm kind of getting back into the south. So folks know and we'll be back. We have shows all through May, I think, leading right up to the PCA. We'll be back on Thursdays for the most part with those. So uh, appreciate yep. everyone's patience the last couple of weeks there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's good because uh, I, I think the Phillies may pull this game out right now. Yeah, I think so. It's looking I, uh, pretty good at the moment. I, I you know, but I've learned to not, <laughs> just be careful with this team. because we, I use the word we find creative ways to blow games. So yeah. it, it certainly can happen. But I, I have a lot of expectations for your Oakland Athletics tonight. So th get the job done. 
they blew it. They blew it last night, man. They I know, but get this night, job so. done with this guy. I mean, this we're, Kaplan guy's going to you can't let Kaplan win the division again. <laughs> right. So I think you guys can you guys can stop him. It's in your hands. That's right. But you got to be pleased with the um. You got to be pleased with the A start. You, you can't. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm over I mean, the moon. It's like uh, yeah, you get uh, bottom of the barrel players uh, still putting up good numbers, yeah. so it's working out. I mean, we were sitting. I know you missed the beginning of the baseball show we did. We were talking hundred losses for this team. I mean, yeah. so I mean uh, that's still a possibility. It's but... still a possibility. Like a lot of teams could go nine and nine at any point in the season. So yeah, yeah. certainly. Uh, but but again, you know, there's nothing better than a good start either. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, so so we will uh, keep you up, uh, updated. But hopefully, you guys get the job done tonight. Yeah. All right. Hey, so uh, without further ado, uh, we have a new guest making his debut on the primetime show. Uh, it is Eric Bay. He's the founder of Black Star Line Cigars. Eric, welcome to primetime. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, hey, thanks for um, thanks for being on. Um, you know, you and I met at uh, Cigar Hustler last year. Um, yeah. And I know we had a great conversation. I, I got to try your cigars for the first time. Um, and I, I was very impressed. Unfortunately, I can't smoke tonight. I mentioned I have a cold, um, but I have enjoyed these cigars. I know I've been talking to uh, Eric from Dojo. We've had, we've had several conversations about the cigars as well, and he, he is also mm-hmm. a, a very big fan. Um, so long overdue to have you on the show, and, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yep. Yep. So um, um, you mentioned tonight uh, you are you're, you're, so you're based in Chicago, correct? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm a retired Chicago firefighter. Oh wow, okay. So that that was kind of what I was going to lead into my first question is what you know. So you you were a firefighter before you got into the cigar business. Yeah, yeah. Actually, when I started the company, I was still working for the, for Chicago. Okay. And um, I'm I'm in my man cave now. That's where all my ideas come from. So I was sitting in the garage smoking, and I was thinking about you know what type of business I wanted to start. I was smoking and thinking about it, and I was like, man, you love the cigar so much. Why don't you, you know, make a run at cigars? So uh, I hit up my good friend, uh, Derek Bell. He's a childhood friend of mine and asked me if he wanted to help me start the, start the company. And he said, hell yeah. So uh, we started networking at uh, Drew Estate Events. Uh, that's where we got real acquainted and, and good friends with uh, JD. And then, um, yeah, it just went from there. He, he advised us to, to talk to uh, El Titan DeBron's down in Miami. And um, I chased Sandy for months and months and months, but she wasn't in the uh, factory because her mother was sick. So kept calling, 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 wasn't hearing anything. So I decided to send her some flowers and uh, just to wish the family well, that type of thing. Still didn't hear anything. So (laughs) it might have been a couple of months after that. I just called out of the blue and Giselle answered the phone, Sandy's daughter. And I asked for Sandy and she was like, hey, Sandy's right here. Handed the phone over to her. And then uh, we told uh, Sandy who we were. And she said, oh, you were the nice guys that sent me those flowers, right? And we said, yeah. So she said, oh, I'm definitely going to do those blends for you. So El Titan de Bronze is the, is the factory that gave birth to Black Star Line. My first two blends came from that factory. Yeah, you know, uh, and Sandy is that type of person. I've, I've met her. Um, and if you actually go in there, she'll drop everything what she's doing to spend time with you. But she's also pulled in a million directions, too, down in that factory. So probably that phone yeah. call was pretty timely i would say on yeah. that on that um you know just taking a step back for a second um it's you know i've seen several uh firefighters get into the cigar industry 
um, over the years. I mean, there's one that comes to mind, a guy named Reggie Freeman. He uh, started a line called Prendello, but he ended up like becoming the fire chief of first Hartford and then the city of Oakland. So he ended up taking some pretty big responsibilities. So I don't think the, I think the brand ended up being put to the side, but, but I've seen a lot of other ones uh, come in there. Are guys in the firehouse, is this, you know, in the firehouse, are you, are you able to smoke cigars? And it's kind of a bonding thing um, with that. Yeah. yeah. It's a bonding thing, camaraderie, um, you know, passing time between calls, uh, relaxing. Uh, yeah, fire, uh, firefighters and smoking cigars is a big thing. Uh, I mean, you're technically not supposed to smoke in, in the firehouse, but right. a lot of the chiefs smoke. So, <laughs> you know, as long as they don't mind and, you know, nobody else will bother you about it. But yeah. really, you're not supposed to smoke in the firehouse. Though. Yeah, no, I know. I know there's another guy who broke up in Rhode Island. He he has He's in the firehouse, too. And I think he's I don't know if he's supposed to smoke in there or not, but um I see pictures, I guess. So I guess he is. He is. I never asked yeah. on that, but no, that's that's good. Um, so the uh, the lines that are out of El Teton, um, are they still in production today? No. So El Milagro were the first two lines that came out. Uh, the original version was a Mexican San Andreas with a uh, Ecuadorian binder and Nicaraguan filler. The other one was a Sun Grown Habano Ecuadorian binder and a Nicaraguan and Dominican filler. Um, <clears throat> so when COVID was going really strong. The whole the whole uh, factory of El Teton uh, caught COVID from Sandy all the way down all the rollers. So they were closed oh, yeah. for like a month and a half or so. So when they opened back up, they were they were already busy, but they were even busier because they were trying to catch up on all the work they weren't doing. Right. So I'm the low dog in, in that factory because you know work comes out of there. Sean Williams, uh, Cohiba Series M is coming out of there, and then Willie Herrera's. Uh, 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 Drew Estates, uh, Herrera Stelly Miami comes out of there as right, well. Right. So Sandy couldn't get me the quantities I needed. So I ended up moving those two blends over to Agonorsa. Okay. And Agonorsa uh, uh, rolls them now. So. Okay. And mm-hmm. there, there seems like there's always been a little connection with Sandy and Agonorsa too. I mean, I know they get some tobaccos from there. So I, I, I know that those mm-hmm. factors, they're on pretty good terms. Was that something like what she said, hey, go check out Agonorsa and, and they may be able to help you out here? No, so uh, I became good friends with Sean Williams. So he had came to Chicago. Right. And he was asking me, what do I want to do with Black Star Line? And I was telling him I love LT Ton, but, you know, due to the fact I'm buying tobacco in America, you know, the price is higher. Yeah. So he was like, what do you want to do? You want to work with uh, Placencia, Agonorsi, named a bunch of factories. So I'm a fan of Kyle and Warp, so, and, and I like what he does with LT Ton and uh, Agonorsa. So I told him I would like to work with Agonorsa. So he said, you know, okay, give me a day. I'll get back to you. And then he called me the next day and said, hey, man, I, I talked to Terrence Riley personally for you. And uh, he's ready to work with you. Just give him a call. And then that's where Warwich came from. So that, my first blend out of Agonorsa was Warwich, while the blends were still at LT time. And then when the production slowed down to LT time, then that's when I had to make a choice to move it over to Agonorsa because it's a bigger factory and they can handle, handle the workload because I, I was getting bigger and I needed more cigars and I, I couldn't have a regular production cigar in limited edition quantities, you know? Yeah. So that's the reason why I moved it over, but um, I'm working on a new blend through LT time. Now actually it's done. I just got to uh, get in line and wait for them to start rolling it for me. And, you know, obviously Warwick, you, you went with, I would say the staple tobacco for lack of a better word at Agonorsa, which is the Corojo wrapper. That was, I remember, I smoked that with you, uh, and it was a, an excellent cigar. Talk a little about the, the vision of, of the, the War Witch and what you were doing with that. Okay. All right. Well, you smoked the Connecticut version, the Corojo That's right. Version I'm sorry. I did smoke the Connecticut. Yeah. Yes, you're correct. 
Yeah, the Connecticut is the original one. You had a better the, memory the than me. Version. Yeah, the Crowho version wasn't out then. They came out uh, four or five months ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I was just looking for a real flavorful, like, medium body stick. Is what it, my, oh. my idea of the stick was. So I sent Terrence two blends. One is Woolwich and one is the uh, is another blend that I didn't really care for. When I got the, the samples for Woolwich, it, it exceeded my expectations by far, you know. Uh, it had great strength to it. it. It's a Connecticut shade with a Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan right. filler. But it's not your grandfather's Connecticut, whereas it's like mild and boring. Like this cigar is very flavorful. It's got, got some strength to it. It's got a lot of character to it. And it just knocked, knocked my socks off from the first time that I, that I smoked it. So it was just a fantastic stick. And I, I didn't have to tell them to change anything about the blend at all. The way it is now is the way it was in sample mode. So it was, I was that confident that it was going to be a great cigar. I just didn't know it was going to be as popular as it's become because it's developed like a war, which has developed like its own following. Yeah. And it's actually our number one seller out of all the sticks that we have right now. The, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember, um, at the time too, when I know when we were talking, I guess that was the part where Agonorsa was just totally backlogged on everything too, because of, uh, you know, they were having the issues, I guess, through the pandemic and supply chain issues. But it seems like that that's all yeah. um, from talking to folks. It seems like that's all resolved right now. And, and that's not really uh, been much of a problem anymore. Mm. It's, it was better when Warwich came out. Uh, right. The busier the Agonorsa got and then Nicaragua hit by hurricanes twice and they're having problems keeping rollers. Um, they changed the uh, expectations on delivering sticks from three months to six months. Okay. So it's, 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 it's different. So I have to wait longer to get cigars, which means I have to order larger orders in order to, you know, get enough mm-hmm. to, you know, match their, their, their production time. So, yeah, it, actually, it's a, little, it's a little bit worse now than it was when Warwick first Got came it. out, which yeah. is about, about a year ago. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the uh, as far as uh, which talk about some of the sizes that you have as, as far as within that line. Um, well, both Warwick's come in a Corona. The regular production is Corona Box Press. It's a six by 46. Yep. Um, the Robusto version, there already was a Robusto version of Connecticut. I'm bringing that back out for PCA. And then I'm bringing out a Robusto version for the Corojo, for the Dark Warwick as well. They're both five by 50. Right. So that'll be uh, the, 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 dark, the Dark War, which will be a new release. Uh, the Robusto version will be the new release for PCA. Okay. So, and, and, yeah. And the, uh, and the they dark also War come in uh, Lancetto. Got it. Yeah. And the Dark mm-hmm. War, which is the, um, that is the Corojo. Just so. Uh, That's the Corojo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the same blend, Corojo uh, uh, wrapper, but it's got a little more Lijero in it. So it's stronger than the original version of it. And the yeah. wrapper changes the, the flavor profile totally from the Connecticut shade. Right. So it's almost like if I didn't tell you it was the same blend, you would have thought it was a totally different blend. Right, right. Um, when you were, when you were working on that Connecticut, um, you know, I guess a lot, Connecticut obviously is is a gateway cigar for a lot of folks. It seems like you kind of went a little different than maybe most folks, and you kind of went with a bolder Connecticut. Um, yeah. How has that worked out for you? And, and are you finding that people are, you know, how are people receiving that um, as opposed to maybe having a traditional Connecticut? Yeah, it's well received. A lot of people say that they they don't really like Connecticut's, but then when they try the Warwick, it like completely changes their mind. Right. I've had people tell me that's the best Connecticut they've ever had in their entire smoking career. Uh, like it's 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 a totally different 
Connecticut than a lot of Connecticut's that are on the market. So, like I said, it's got some punch to it. It's got a lot of flavor. It's got a lot of characteristic to it. And um, it's, it's definitely been pleasing um, at least 98% of the people that smoke it. And that's right. not even an exaggeration. Of course, it'll be a few people that say, ah, oh, you know, I don't really like it, but I can't please everybody. So no. I'm, I'm very... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm satisfied with the with the success rate that it's got so far. That's good. That's good to hear. Um, like I said, I remember it made an impression on, you know, when we were down at uh, Hustler, uh, mm-hmm. I know Mike was impressed with it too um, mm-hmm. that day. So... Uh, and he's sometimes tough, tough to, to so um, that that was a good job by, yeah. by you on that as well. Um, yeah, he brought it right in right after he smoked it. He was like, "Oh yeah, I got him." Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've been around him when he doesn't like something too. So, uh, <laughs> so, no, he's a good guy. He's a good guy in there. Um, so, talk about a couple of these other lines which folks may not be as familiar with. The El Milagro is maybe one. Okay. Yeah, El Milagro, the current version of it is a is a Crojo 99 wrapper with a Nicaraguan binder and filler. And then the Sun Grown, it's still a Sun Grown Habano, but it's uh, uh, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler instead of the Ecuadorian binder and, and the Dominican filler that was in the, in, in, uh, in the guts of it. Right. So that's the only thing that changed about it. But they replicated the blend so well, they're almost identical in, uh, in flavor profile as the original versions of them. Right. So... They did. Agonorsa did a great job in in, uh, in uh, replicating those blends and uh, being able to get the quantities that I needed uh, to be able to to function as a company. And uh, the Lollabella. Lollabella is a San Andreas uh, wrapper with a Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Okay. Um, this full body, full string stick comes in two sizes: the Toro six by fifty two, and then a Gordo six by sixty. I named it Lollibella after the stone churches that were built into the ground in Ethiopia. Okay. So okay, I wanted I to that. shine. Yeah. I wanted to shine light on that area. Cause a lot of people don't even know those churches over there exist. They right. should be one of the wonders of the world. Cause there's, it, they're, they're just amazing building. And if you look at the band, you can actually see a portion of the church on the band. And I didn't like the band too much. So I actually changed it. Actually cigar Doja redid those bands for me. Oh really? So, um, yeah. 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 Uh, so Eric and, and, and his team, they redid the band for me and made it, uh, because the the current band merges in with the with the color of the of the Maduro, right? So it, it, it you kind of can't see the band. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. pop at all. So we got a different band that pops. Nice. So I can't wait for Action Label to get get the stuff over to uh, Agonorsa so they can start putting the bands on on the cigars and get them ready for PCA. That's awesome. Um, just a, an offshoot question. Um, have you have you been to Ethiopia before and spent time there? It sounds like you have. No, never. Okay, yeah, I've never okay. Been there. okay. <laughs> that was a bad yeah, assumption no. on my part. But um, no, just just a history buff, and you no, know, and, and I was looking for something different. Yeah, and it's totally cool because I guess I'm into certain things, and I'll talk about mm-hmm. places, and um, I've never been there. And then my my thing is, every time I go somewhere, I want to move there. So it's kind of that's that's another <laughs> that's, an, that's another thing as well. Uh, so that, okay, that's good too. Um. In terms of one thing, I think that I've been really impressed, Eric, with I think a company of your size is you're you're working with a very good factory. Too, like you mentioned, and El Titan and Aganarsa, and you've also now you're working on the distribution side of things with mm-hmm. a a you know a very good company as well. Maybe uh, you know they've been expanding their distribution, but nonetheless, they've been around a while. And that's Illusioni. How did you, how yeah. did you end up hooking up with, with Dion and Illusioni? Um, well, 
uh, last PCA, I didn't have a booth. I just attended just to, cause I had never been. So I was like, let me go and just see what it's like. Right. And, you know, so, uh, I ran into Brian, uh, Matola when he was still with Illusiona and he actually mentioned, uh, the whole thing to me, but at the time I was quite inebriated. So I didn't really <laughs> understand what he, was, what he was talking about. So, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris from Carolina blue, uh, cigars, he right. started distribution with Illusiona. So that's when I started paying attention. And then I just watched and watched. And then the, 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 I got more interested. Then I reached out to Howard and Howard and I talked. And uh, he was like, man, we would love to uh, distribute for you. Because I was doing all the distribution myself. Right. Which was really just wearing me down. So uh, me working with Illusione and now they're shipping everything out to the retailers for me. And, I, and then now I just deal with um, the... Uh, uh, online sales so i just ship out because I, I sell online as well so i just ship out to my customers now but yeah it's it's been so far it's been great uh i just i i, I do events in different cities and uh, i show up and the product's already there uh illusion is very professional about making sure everything's done right it's packed right and it gets to the proper destination and uh it's been great so far yeah and i've seen with illusion they've done some different deals, I think, depending on the company, where some mm-hmm. of the folks, um, like, like everyone will leverage their warehousing and stuff like that, right? But some of the folks will take more control of their sales thing as opposed to using the Illusioni sales reps. Are the Illusioni sales reps selling your product, or are you still handling the sales? And is that the plan to handle sales going forward? Well, I just uh, signed a contract with Impact Force and Michael Perales. So okay. he's going to be handling, uh, I think they cover 23 states. Yeah. And then I'm uh, looking to work with uh, Brad Fisher in uh, Texas as well. So he'll cover uh, some of the states that Impact Force is not covering. So both of them work with Illusione as well. Okay. So uh, I'm using some, but not all. I'll still be doing some sales myself, but I will have, I, I'm now developing a sales force. Right. So it's, uh, that's going to help me out tremendously too, because it's just me and uh, my VP of sales, Cliff, and for two people to cover the nation, just us two, it's, it's hard. Yep. So right. I needed, I need all the help I can get. So I'm glad that the Impact Force and Brad Fisher, they're going to come in and, and help me with the, the sales and, you know, and, and go to lounges and, and monitor the inventory and that type of thing and let me know what's going on. So. Right. And the fact that they're working with Illusioni, that makes it even that much easier for you that, that you, 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 you know, mm-hmm. that they're doing that as well. Because I'm sure they're dealing with all their uh, infrastructure in the warehouse and stuff like that, which is good. Yeah. 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 How, how, um, now when you started out, um, did you start out originally with direct sales to consumer? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's one of the first things I set up was the website. Right. And, um, you know, so to be able to sell because I, you know, nobody really, none of the lounges really knew who I was, Yeah, but you know, a lot of people were supporting online until I got a chance to branch out more into the, uh, the retail partners. So, uh, underground and Fort Worth was actually my very first customer. Okay. Uh, yeah. Don found out that I was coming out of LT town and he was like, yeah, you got to sell them through my lounge. And I was <laughs> like, Hey man, if you want to, yeah, I was like, definitely. So yeah, he was my very first customer down there and they, they've been, we've been family ever since. So they support the hell out of us, and I support the hell out of them. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um. And you got a little bit of stick stand to go through the underground. Uh. <laughs> so I actually, 
I, when I, the, when I've been there, like Don's like been super nice to me. Like, I, I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, I didn't get the ball boss thing. Um, but I haven't been there in a while, so I'm sure it's coming. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm way overdue to get back out there, but, uh, but yeah, uh, um, that's good. Idea. So, you know, when did you make the decision that, Hey, you know what? Online's good, but obviously brick and mortar and, and, and going to retailers is the way I need to go. Well, when I started the company, I kind of didn't know what the hell I was doing. So, uh, like I said, Don and Underground were my first customers. And um, and I just branched out from there. So it was always the, the idea from the beginning is just I focused on the online piece first because that was easier for me to deal with because I I could just people just order and I ship it to them. Right. Um, and then I started shipping out samples and that type of thing. And then more lounges started picking up and. And then Word started getting around more, and then Warwitch came out, and then Word really got around. You know, and then I was in Stogie Press and Tobacco Business Magazine, and that really helped out a lot. So, you know, a lot of people had got a chance to read about me before they actually met me and had a chance to smoke the sample. So that helped to, you know, branch out things with the retail partners as well. Um, We're currently carried in roughly about 70 lounges nationwide. And then uh, we also are carried by uh, Benny's here in the Midwest. And that's, uh, that was when we picked them, when they picked us up, that was, uh, an additional 47 locations because they have a humidor in all their stores. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, you just said it, um, their beverage chain, but they do a lot of cigar business. Like I said, I was surprised when I saw the humidors in that many stores when I was out there too. So, uh, definitely a good job by you as far as that goes. Um, where is right now, I'd say, if you're distributing, you know, obviously, you probably have a good foothold in Chicago, but where are some of the areas of the country that you have a really good foothold that, you know, if folks are looking to go into a shop and check out uh, where, where your stuff is? Uh, Memphis, Atlanta, uh, some in Texas. Um, they're all over. They're, yeah. On my website, blackstarline.shop. Uh, there is a retailer page on there. So, so for those that, that are interested, they can go on there and look and see if there's a lounge that's close to where they live. And if not, you can either order directly from me or you can order from like Small Batch, they carry us or Provider Club or uh, Cigar Federation had us there sold out. Um, yeah, and then you go order from Underground Online as well. So there's numerous un- online uh, stores that have us as well, uh, you know, in, right. in, in addition to buying directly from me. If you don't want to buy directly from me, you can buy from them. Now, Black Lion Luxury Club, they have us as well. Mm-hmm. So that's good. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're pretty much we, you could be found, which is which is great news on that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so that that's exciting. Now, one project that you worked on, um, and I think you did do this through Pravada. Uh, and I yeah. and this is where I really first heard of you. Um, you you did a a, a project for Black History Month uh, with Dean yeah. Parsons, um, yeah. and and I love Dean. He's a great guy. And I I thought this was a really cool project. Um, you did this Black History Month cigar. Can you talk a little about how that all came about? Yeah. So actually, Brian from Provider Club uh, brought the idea up, and um, you know he presented to me. And uh, I had no idea Dean was going to work on it, too. So when it got closer, then that's when he told me that Dean was in it. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I know Dean. And, um, yeah, I mean, really, really, that's that's how it started. It was a conversation between me and Brian. And then he brought Dean in. And all three of us talked about how we wanted to blend and what was the outcome of the cigar. And it was it was a help. Uh, it was a college 
uh, scholarship yep. uh, charity stake sure. uh, for the YMCA somewhere up in Wisconsin. So um, I thought it was a good project. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't make a dime off the project. It was it was strictly for to, to help somebody go to school. That's it. Right. So I was really glad to, to, you know, have a hand in it because uh, I think education is very important. And uh, if I could help somebody to, to get an education, I'm, I'm with it. So. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I just thought the whole project was really cool. Um, and then, you know, uh, like I said, it was there was a charity angle to it. And, um, you know, so it was I was going to ask you the question how you hooked up with Brian, but it was Brian, I guess, who came to you on, on, on this idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, he was um, already carrying my sticks. So, OK, you know, I already had a relationship with him. So, we, you know, we talked from time to time. And one of my times, one of the times we were talking, he just brought the idea up. And I was like. That's not a bad idea at all. So a bad idea. So I was like, let's roll with it. And then when the time came around, we we knocked it out and, and put it out in the market. Was it a one time release, one and done, or is it something maybe that we we see come back? As far as I know, it's one time. Okay. Uh, we haven't mentioned. We haven't talked about doing it. If we did another one, it may be a totally different blend. Right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, that that was good as well. And another. Um, Another area I wanted to mention, and I saw this on your website, and I wasn't aware mm-hmm. of this, is you, you also have some infused lines. Yeah, so I use Agonorsa tobacco, and I, I infuse it here at my house myself. So I oh, got really? apple whiskey. Yeah, apple whiskey, peach cognac, vanilla bourbon, uh, just straight up coffee, and then uh, raspberry rum. Uh, nice. So, um, yeah, so people were coming to my events, and they some of them were new smokers, and they felt like my cigars were too strong for them. So they kept asking me about infused cigars. And I personally, I don't smoke them, but right. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just try my hand at infusing them. And I did. And it just went crazy. And I, I actually, originally I was just going to sell them on my website, but then retailers started getting a hold of that. I had them and they started requesting them. So I had to start developing packaging and stuff like that. So it could sit on the shelves and uh, cigar lounges and look presentable. So uh, right now I, I came out with a new, it's like five pack boxes uh, that I had made. And um, yeah, so they, they look great sitting on the shelves in the, uh, in lounges. So yeah, they, they're very, very popular. Uh, matter of fact, a lounge uh, in, uh, in Memphis, as I'm doing some events in Memphis coming up, uh, they just ordered like 300 sticks of, of peach cognac. So they, they're, they, they move very fast. Right. And, and these are these are unbanded cigars, right? So they're more like they're just unbanded with with that are infused. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're unbanded and just infused. Yeah, right, right. Um, any plans to like maybe take those lines and I know like right now you just, they're it's they're named like apple whiskey infused or uh, coffee infused. Mm-hmm. Maybe give them mm-hmm. brand more branding around. It. Is that a plan or maybe just kind of stick the way it is right now? Right now, I'm, I'm gonna leave them like they are. You know, because it's working just they fine. They sell the so, only did. That's right. Yeah. I guess you do, right? It's, you it's, make it's a... not broken, so I'm not <laughs> That's so, yeah. nothing wrong with that as well. Um, nothing wrong. But maybe, I don't know, is there a point where you may say, hey, I can't keep infusing this stuff myself because of the demand. Is that something like maybe you're thinking down the road that, you, you know, you'd have to maybe offshoot, offshoot that somewhere else? Um, well, I, I don't know who I would offshoot it to. Uh, right. So I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck doing it myself until I show somebody else that's near me how to do it. Right. And then they can do some and I'll do some and then we'll, you know, let them age. I let them age for at least two months and let them infuse for at least two months before I uh, 
before I release them. Because that two month two month mark, I know they they should be infused enough to sell. So um, so I don't sell them before two months because I right. don't think they'll be infused enough. Sure. But uh, sure. and then once once I start selling them, I never stop infusing them. I let them sit with the with the alcohol as until that run is gone, and then I I do some more. Okay. Yeah, and um, it's I'm not so I'm not asking you to give any secrets of what you're doing here. That's that's not what I'm looking at. But how um, how did you kind of get into? It was just just something you tried and uh, and and just wanted to see what, how it would work. I mean, give me a little more background in terms of that. Was this something, yeah, or was, was there a, was there a process that maybe you learned that you're applying to this? It was it was literally trial and error. Because uh, I like I said, I never infused a cigar before, and I don't even smoke them. I don't smoke my own infused. I used to taste test them. It got to the point I can't bear them anymore. So I had people that like infused cigars test them for me. But yeah, it was trial and error and talking to um, some lounge owners that I know that infuse their own cigars and, and getting ideas from them on how to do it. And I just kind of mix what I knew with what they, they, they do. And then they're, they're here. So yeah, um, it's, it's not, it's not hard at all. It's just, just taking time to let it let it sit with the alcohol and and, and making sure that the uh, the flavor actually gets into the tobacco. Sure, sure, I, I I agree on that. Um, and but you said those are also like I said, you're you're selling them online, but you're also distributing them out to some of your your lounges as well. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. There's a there's a nice stock of them at, at the Lusione warehouse now. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Which is which is like I'm gonna really curious that this peach cognac one I'm gonna have to get my hands on this that sounds really interesting. <laughs> I'm like that one you know I've had other some of these other flavors maybe not apple whiskey but yeah these this looks really cool with that uh and they're all and how are they sold are they sold in bundles um or they sold in I sell them to lounges in bundles okay. bundles of twenty okay so like I said I came out with a new five pack box so I sell four five pack boxes to okay the lounges um. If you buy online, you could buy them five in five packs, or there's a sampler pack if you wanted to try two of each uh, flavor. And I, I think it's uh, raspberry rum, peach cognac, and vanilla bourbon in the sampler pack. I think so. It's six cigars for like uh, sixty bucks or something like that, off the top of my head. Okay. Nice. And so, like I said, it's all Aganorsa tobacco. So, uh, yeah, you know, you know what you're getting as far as that goes. That, no, that's a good job there. That's a good job there. Yeah, it's, it's long filler. I don't, I don't use anything short filler. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Also, I kind of was, uh, when I was kind of doing some prep work, uh, I did see you have a coffee line as well, which I was uh, pretty impressed. Yeah. Talk a little about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was trying to do something different with Warwich. So I uh, uh, talked to uh, Kenny from Ethnos uh, Coffee in uh, Memphis, and he uh, paired a coffee with uh, with the Woolwich. So it's a Woolwich coffee for the Connecticut Woolwich. So um, it's an Ethiopian coffee. Um, it's uh, light roast, and uh, it just complements the cigar, the cigar very well. It has citrus notes in there, and it brings out more of the citrus notes in the cigar as well. So I personally, I don't drink a lot of coffee because it seems like every time I drink something that's hot, I always singe my tongue and then I can't, I, know. <laughs> I, I know. can't I'm taste the same cigar. Way. I'm yeah. the same way. So. I'm the same mm-hmm. way. It's, it's the same way with that. But it is branded as a Warwick coffee uh, as far as. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the packaging is, it's, it has the Warwick on there. So it's, it's, it's definitely the Warwick coffee. Um, I, 
think I'm sold out of it. I may have one bag left, maybe. So they're, they're roasting more coffee for me so I can uh, get a, uh, increase the inventory. Right. And and I was looking at it's the roasting takes place in Memphis. So it's, 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 you know, it's mm-hmm. so that's good. So no, that's, that's great to hear as well. Um, and I know it's available on the website as the things maybe you sell them to wholesale them to retailers as well. No, I don't wholesale that to, okay. to retailers. So that's, that's um, a- yeah. That's really just online thing. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, I also looked at the website. You had some really cool, like, you know, obviously swag items and stuff like that. So it seems like you're doing a very nice job as far as, uh, you know, marketing your brand and obviously getting good product out uh, is is the secret there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, hoodies, hats, glasses, flasks. Uh, I mean, I got shirts. Um that's yeah. It may be something that I'm missing, but yeah, we get we get a lot of different sw- like swag items and stuff for mm-hmm. people to, to purchase. Nice. And, and you said like we actually we, we touched on it, I think before the show and actually during the show, you are gonna be a PCA, which which is mm-hmm. uh, great news. Um now big undertaking for a small company. Um how do you make the most of that in terms of you know, is it's not cheap to go to PCA, so no, it's not. Um but we've done TPE twice. So okay. when I went and visited for PCA last year, I, I saw that it was very, the setups were very similar to uh, TPE as PCA. So, and then the price was about the same as, as uh, for a 10 by 10 booth, because that's what I'll have. Okay. It's about the same as, as TPE. So I just had to budget it out to, to pay for it. But I know we made a lot of money at the last TPE. So I know uh, we'll probably make even more at, at, at PCA because it's, you know, all cigar dedicated instead of like cigars and CBD and all the other crap that's yep. there at uh, TPE. So I'm definitely looking forward to it because it's going to help expand the brand more and I'll meet more retailers that, uh, that I, I don't know. And, uh, you know, we'll get picked up by some more lounges while we're there. Yeah. And certainly, like I said, having the connections you have right now, um, with Mike, um, you know, Perales, for example, and um, it's going to help you. I mean, you, you, there's going to be people. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to be bringing people to your booth. Um, and yeah. I think that's that's huge. That's going to be huge for you. Yeah. So uh, it certainly oh, yeah. helps. Say, hey, you got to check this guy out. And, and I've seen, you know, so I've seen that work quite successful yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned the, the, the Dark War, which is obviously one of the products you're going to be highlighting at, at the show this year. Yeah, so the the Dark World was Robusto will be the the technically the brand new release that I'll have for right. PCA. Right. Um, the Robusto for the Connecticut is coming back, so a lot of people uh, aren't familiar with that particular size of that blend. So uh, for the Connecticut, so that technically will be something new for people too, because I that, I didn't release that world uh, nationwide. That was like a limited release. It sold out, and then I stuck with the Corona Box Press. But I'm I'm ready to you know have more multiple sizes in uh in the dark war which as well as the uh, Connecticut. Excellent, excellent. So I'm pretty excited for you on that as well. All right, Aaron. Anything else we want to hit with Eric before we get into some of the other uh, segments with him? No, I think you nailed it. Okay, great. So Eric, um, this is um we have a couple more segments we're gonna do. Uh, I can get, I mean mm-hmm. one this this is still part of this segment. Um, mm-hmm. This is what we call cattle baron steak question of the night. Okay. Right, so this is related to steak. So my first question is, you're not a vegan, right? <laughs> I am. 
<laughs> I, I haven't eaten meat in like uh, 14 years. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't eat meat. Oh, man. okay. I remember. Okay. I remember steaks, but I I don't eat them. Okay, I'm gonna. So you. So you finally. Like I figured. So you were the first person that officially has like answered that question like that. Yeah. So this is really. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna flip the question a bit to work. Okay. Um. Hello. All right. So Eric, you're going. You're vegan, and and first of all. I'm not one of these guys who's like uh, anti-vegan. Like, I, there's vegan food I love, so uh, I yeah. like all food. That's how I feel, and I respect people who have that. Vein. But so you, so let's say you are out to a dinner at a steakhouse as a vegan. Okay, mm-hmm. what what do you order off the menu? Is the question. Well, a lot of times in in the current times, there a lot of restaurants want to make sure they they maximize their bottom line, so they'll have something either a vegetarian meal or at least one vegan meal on the on the menu. Okay. If they don't have that, then I'll find a bunch of sides and yep. I'll order <laughs> I'll order a bunch of sides, eat right. those, and it, and it's enough. You know, it might be expensive because you know the sides might be you know twelve to fifteen dollars a piece if it's a nice steak restaurant. Right. But you know, I'll be full. I'll just pay for it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, I mean, you could get filled up on, and you could, by the way, we've talked about sides with this question. You can get, say, like, just go through your sides questions and just load up on the sides that you're talking about. You, you could have a nice meal there. You, you could totally have a nice meal yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so here, here's a good question. Like, you're at a steakhouse. What, what is like a good side that you would get, uh, at, at that? Yeah. Broccoli or asparagus, macaroni and cheese. They'll have Brussels sprouts, uh, salad. You know, it's a bunch of as long as it's vegetables and depending on how they cook it. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm with it. I'll, I'll, I'll order it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna flip the question a little more because I'm I'm actually really interested in this. Give okay. me a, like a really good vegan restaurant you've gone to somewhere in the country that like I should make or people should check out because because I'm like I'm I'm very open on this by the way I I uh, I've heard of some very good vegan restaurants but what's a good one that that, that I should go to or we should go to like if you recommend that um here in Chicago Chicago Diner is is a great one uh they're like nationwide known for their Rubens like their, their Ruben is amazing um. That's Chicago House of Vegan in uh, Dallas. It's um, it's not too far away from Cigar Art in. Um, okay. I can't remember the name of that area down there, uh, but it's like South Dallas. Right. Uh, that one's very good, and they have like a ton of stuff on the menu. Like I, they have so much stuff on the menu. I don't even know how to keep up with all the different <laughs> meals that they have. Right. But that one was very good. Um. um it's one in. Uh, Flatbush in New York called Soul Sips was very good. I was just in that area, not far from there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check mm-hmm. that one out now when I go back later this year. Soul Sips. There's a good one in um in Harlem too. I'm the, the name is escaping me right now, but it's on 126th of Saint Nick. Uh huh. That was very good too. So that's good. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. excellent. Excellent job there. Excellent job there. Best vegan dish out there. Mm. I mean, there's so many of them, bro. That, that, that's subjective. <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, that's a hard one to answer. I, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. I, I realize that's a fair enough. Uh, like I said, you're the first person that actually was. I we, we had one other, but it was a trick. It was a trick. They brought someone extra in. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're actually the first person. I knew it was gonna happen someday. So it's like I think we've been doing this for like three and a half years. This question, by the right. way. Right. So, 
So my, my, my so, favorite so, vegan meals are, are, are cigars and, and scotch. There you go. There you go. <laughs> these, are, these are vegan too. So. <laughs> I actually just looked up where Soul Sips is too. It's on Knickerbocker Avenue. So I, I got to definitely mm-hmm. check this out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good. All right. So what we're going to do, Eric, is um, I'm going to do one more round of commercial reads and then we'll get into that. The, the other segment, which is some more rapid fire questions on, on things. OK. All right. Cool. So uh, what I want to do is I want to mention first tailored smoke located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter and now outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored smoke is your one stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. And I want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now, with JRE Tobacco, who and his son who still bring their very own brand to market, each containing that authentic Corojo leaf. Aldino is available at 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade, Cameron or Habano wrapper, representing that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers like Padron, LFD, Drew Estate, Arturo Fuente, Perdomo, Gurker, and Oliva. Corona Cigar Company has the best cigar selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And I also want to mention Aganorso Leaf again. And this month, um, if you are uh, go to Cigar Coop and go on our sidebar to the Aganorso Experience, uh, you can click on that and get a preview of the La Validacion series, which is the new rebranded core line that's going to be unveiled by Aganor Salif. Uh, that will take you to a video where Terrence Riley, um, who we just talked about earlier in the show, um, will will guide you through uh, a look at that new look of the core line. So you'll, you can get a good look at that by clicking on the sidebar there. All right, welcome back. We have uh, Eric Bay of Black Star Line Cigars, um, which I stuck my foot in my mouth on the Cattle Baron cigar question, if you missed that. So uh, Eric was a good sport, but thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So, so this, is a, this is our Live True segment, and it's sponsored uh, by Alec Bradley Cigars. And I want to mention Alec Bradley. Uh, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars live true so in this segment uh, eric we take a, again we're going to go a little further back from some of the scar talk we talk about some of the everyday things um that um 
may or may not, um, you know, interest you or something. But I think they'll interest you in this case, in, in some of them. Yeah, so, right. All right. If not, you can tell me it doesn't interest you. All right. So first mm-hmm. question is, do you have a favorite television show? And what is it? Breaking Bad. Good show. Good, go. good answer. Good, an- good answer. I agree. Uh, got into that show much later after it came on. But, yep, good show on mm-hmm. that. Uh, any yeah, other shows you have? Show. Do you have any other shows? Uh, Sons of Anarchy, uh, Snowfall, uh, Billions. That's, uh, yeah. that's a bunch of them. I, I watch a lot of, lot of them. When it, at the end of the day, that's what, how me and my wife spend time with each other. We decompress and we watch TV shows and movies and that type of thing so um yeah i watch a lot of lot of uh lot of movies uh good i watched some old movies recently uh fight club falling down um or something else that i watched that that made me laugh and me and my daughter I, I i make sure that she watches some of the movies i grew up watching so she's seven so um she's watched gremlins and uh <laughs> um uh, Indiana Jones, and you know, so I'm, yep. I'm making sure that she gets some of the, some of my childhood in her childhood. So. Yep, I've done that with my kids too, Eric, and it, it's a great thing when they actually get into it. Then there'll be a point mm-hmm. when they get older and they don't want to do it, but then they come back to it uh, when they get like, mm-hmm. to their twenties. So you'll you'll see that will happen. But it is really cool about yeah. that. Yeah, I did the make- same thing with my son. He's 23. So oh wow, okay, good for you. Good for yeah. you. All right, so you mentioned movies. What's a movie that you could watch over and over again? Like, just say hey, every time I could watch it ten times. You know, you know, no matter how many, I can just keep watching. Godfather Two. Yeah, yeah, that was a, the Godfather Two was was a great, great movie. It, yeah, I could watch that over. Um, what's the name? Uh, Scarface. I like that one a lot. I used to watch that one all the time. Yeah. Uh, and some of the. Uh, like uh, Belly or uh, Boys in the Hood, I watch those. And mm-hmm. a lot of Spike Lee movies, I could watch those over and over again. Do the right thing. Yeah, uh, yeah so it's a lot of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. good. I, I'm a big Spike Lee guy myself. Uh, I think Summer of Sam is one of the all-time mm-hmm. greatest movies. And I grew up in New York during that time, and I think they did. A, Spike knocked it out of the park with that movie. He really did. Ah, nice. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, actually, I was just up in New York. The big thing was Spike Lee. You know, he he's not a lot. Like he he left Madison Square Garden in the Knicks, and now he's showing mm-hmm. up at Nets games. So it it was a big story <laughs> up there. He's been up at the Nets games up there. Yeah, he had a lot of problems with with the Knicks or something about going in a certain door, and they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him. He got yeah. pissed. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, been going in that door for like thirty years, and they decided they didn't want him to go in there or something. I was it, like, yeah, that, that is weird. But. It, 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 exactly, exactly. Uh, it's, it's interesting because the fans have had a love-hate relationship in New York with him. Like, when he was okay. like, they blamed him one year when Reggie when Reggie Miller went nuts. Uh, they were blaming Spike <laughs> Lee. But when, 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 when Spike, apparently, when they wouldn't let Spike use his entrance, people got behind him. Like, hey, look, he's, he's been going to these games forever. Like, you know, people yeah. got behind Spike Lee on that one. So it was kind of interesting to see that. I mean, it was weird, but yeah. I guess management changed rules. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I know I know the answer to this question because you're from Chicago, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and I'm going to ask a follow-up. Right? It is basketball related. So you hear the debate, no LeBron or Michael Jordan? <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> give a little laugh at it. Okay. I, I know. So, okay, the so, funny thing, though, I'm, I'm not even a Bulls fan. I yeah. never really liked Michael Jordan. So and I'm a Lakers fan. <laughs> Oh wow! So, All right. Uh, yeah. So what, you seen? Have you seen Winning Time? 
Not yet. Oh, like, you got to see it. I heard about it, and I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> it, yeah. it's, so I grew I up watching Magic Johnson, and, and yep. those are all my players, you yeah. know, and, and – yeah. uh, even my, I'm the youngest of five, so even my older brothers was like, "Are you sure we're from the same mother?" Because they all hardcore Bulls fans, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and they're rooting for the Bulls, and I'm pulling for Magic. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I was a big Magic fan growing up in the in the '80s myself. Um, but the winning time mm-hmm. thing is is pretty good. I think, Aaron, you've been seeing, you've seen it, right? Yeah. It's there's definitely exaggerations that are, that are in right. this. There's, there's right. no question, but it's entertaining, is what I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and so it it, it is, and, and I think the the coolest thing, Eric, when you see this is there's the emergence of Pat Riley and how he starts mm-hmm. out and how he kind of is just transforming himself personally. So it's kind of something to yeah. check out as well. Um, so he's definitely he's a great coach. He is a great coach. Oh, he's, he's, I, I mean, I remember again, when he came to New York, it was, it was a big deal. So where do you put LeBron yeah. though, in terms of the, the, the greatness pecking order? That was my second part of the question. I mean, do you put like you mentioned magic? Do you how do you rate him versus magic? Uh, I, I love magic so much, I still like magic better. Yeah, uh, here's the thing when a lot of and it this doesn't matter what sport it is, when all my favorite players retired, I kind of retired with them. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of don't really watch the, the recent games because yeah. it just it doesn't do anything yeah. for me. Like, perfect example, they did a 30 for 30 for the 85 Bears. And I was literally on the edge of my seat. Like it was the first time I've seen those games and the plays. And I I, I actually like the 30 for 30 better than a lot of the live games that are going on now. Yeah. Yeah. I I was watching a rerun of the 1993 World Series. I don't know if Aaron, were you on that night? We were on the Zoom phone. I'm watching the rerun of the 93 World Series. And I'm I'm like reciting play by play. It's like it's actually happening. The guy's going, you do realize this game was like 30 years ago, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's just classic. It's like you know, yeah. you, the, the excitement still gets in you, even yeah. when you watch it after the fact. And then, exactly, you know. exactly with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're a Chicago guy. What's a really cool thing about living in Chicago? Mm-hmm. The lakefront when it's warm. It's, it's really nice. Oh, it is around, really nice around I, the lake I, on Lakeshore I, Drive and yeah, and downtown yep. areas is, is is you know the downtown is alive. Everybody's walking around. Uh, going to bars and, you know, going to restaurants and having a good time. And you got the river and Chicago river going through um, the middle of downtown. So the downtown area in the, in the lakefront is really nice. It just really sucks when it's cold here. I know. So. I know. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. It's, it is a great city. I love, I love Chicago. Yeah. I've been there a few times uh, for the taste of Chicago, which was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, getting a chance to try all the different food there. And then, uh, I was there for Fourth of July one year, and they had the they had that outdoor amphitheater, and they had like an okay. orchestra playing uh, along with the fireworks, and that was pretty cool. Okay. So oh, yeah, nice, nice, some nice things there. Yeah, haven't been haven't been to the taste in probably twenty five years. So I yeah. just I don't trust the security measures. There's just too many <laughs> right. people there, and yep. you know you don't know who's got what. Right, there's, there's too much going on, so I just yeah. I stay away from it. Yep. Yeah, large crowds. Uh, I don't. I don't do large crowds. Yeah, I'm not into it either. Uh, yeah, def definitely. Um, that's not my my thing either. But I'll say this too. Um, I did get one year to go to Chicago. Uh, the week before Christmas, in the downtown area, and mm-hmm. I tell you, that's something really special to be down. If you're if you're into Christmas, uh, and you're into the whole urban scene, go to yeah, Chicago yeah. that right before Christmas, right around Christmas. That uh, you won't be disappointed for sure. 
Yeah, it looks nice with all the lights and all that stuff, but when the, yeah. when that cold hits you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, now <laughs> I was there. Was, the year I was there, it wasn't that cold. <laughs> I mean, I've been there, okay. the cold, but I, I lucked out that one year. It wasn't bad, so you know, it was like eh, it's really good. But yeah, I guess if it's fifteen below, you, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna think a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It, it'll change your mindset once the cold hits. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, you're going on vacation. Um. You go to the beach, you go to the mountains, or do you have some other place you go to? Um, well, me and my wife and my daughter, we take an annual trip to Maui, so I will have to say mm. the beach. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a warm weather guy. Like I said, when it, when it's cold here, I, I'm like a bear. I just go into hibernation. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, I don't go to lounges. Uh, I have a permanent heater put in, in my garage, so I turn the heater on, and it's warm in here, and anybody that wants to see me, they come here and see me. Right. So, yeah, I would uh, definitely a beach. You know, Eric, it's um, with COVID. I used to go to a lounge almost every day and and I ended up, you know, not going to lounges. And, you know, I ended up upgrading a lot of stuff in the garage slash studio. Now I got new AC and heater and the, it's yeah. kind of unfortunate. But now everything's kind of set up here just the way I have it. So oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of it's an unfortunate. I, I mean, I did go down yesterday to the cigar store, which was good. So I do try to get down it, but yeah, it used to be an everyday ritual beforehand of me doing that. So okay. hopefully, I get back into that. You know, I don't want to abandon that entirely, but I do have a nice setup too, so I'm not complaining. All right. Uh, well, another reason why I don't go to lounges a lot here in Chicago is I, I travel so much doing events, and then I do an event at a lounge. But before I go to the event, I'm at at least four lounges per day that I'm whatever city I'm in. Yeah. So when I come home, I want to be at home. I don't, right. when I go to lounges, I feel like I'm working yep. yeah. and I just, you know, but Cliff, he's, he's more of a lounge guy. So he'll go when we're here, he'll go to lounges and check on, um, you know, inventory and see what people need. And he'll talk about the cigars and help sell the cigars while he's sitting in the lounges. So he, he, he takes my place when we come home. I, I come out here to the garage to smoke. Yeah. Yep. There you go. There you go. All right. A, a band on your music playlist that you enjoy? Hmm. Black Star. <laughs> Most deaf in Tyloo Kwali. All right. Yeah, there you go. Good. That's a good answer. Yeah. 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 Nice. Or, you know, we can go back old school. I do Public Enemy or KRS One or Rakim or, you know, I, I like all the old school uh, hip hop artists. So. Yeah. Gangstar. I, I, I was just having a discussion with someone on the original Run DMC album. Uh, mm-hmm. and how it was actually a very groundbreaking album when it came out. It, it definitely yeah. changed a lot, yeah. yeah. For the time, yeah, it changed a lot. It changed you know? a lot, yeah. Uh, it definitely did, yeah. Def Jam put out a lot of good artists, LL Cool J and Run DMC, and you know, it goes on and on and on. Uh, yeah. Rick Rubin and, and uh, Russell Simmons, they, they, did a, they did a good job with the company and, and bringing out good talent, you know, yeah. that lasted. It's timeless music, so it lasts forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very true. All right. Uh, this is a cigar related question, but it's kind of simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of cigar lighter do you use? Is it like tabletop, desktop, single jet, double jet? What's kind of like your ideal cigar lighter? I always use a three flame butane yep. uh, lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't like single flame lighters. I only use yeah. that if, if it's the only thing around. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I despise soft flames. Just, <laughs> it just takes a long time. For this this is the windy uh, city. Is it the time for soft flame? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't do soft. And I only use it if I have to. Right. So, one thing I got from my dad, I inherited it. I just brought this, is a Zippo collection, Aaron. Oh, uh, yeah. So, and it's in a display cabinet. I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't, like, they gave it to me. I'm like, you don't understand. Uh, I can't you like you could get the inserts, but I'm like I don't know. What yeah, you, can get, you get the you can get the torch inserts, but it's just I single. Get, I think it's only single flames. It's only single flame, and, and yeah. they don't always all fit either. You gotta be a little careful yeah. with them. Yeah, so I got I'm gonna have like about 50 Zippo lighters. Uh, there you go. Now, <laughs> I got from, from him. So, uh, but they said no one else wow. can take them. So I'm like, all right. So, yeah. I got. All right, last question, Eric. Uh, if you mm. had a reality TV show, what would the title of it be? Hmm. Uh, cigar cake. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Good answer, man. Good answer. <laughs> all right, Eric came in. First of all, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, great to catch up with you again. Um, and we, we definitely look forward to seeing you at, at the uh, at the PCA. If I don't yeah. see you soon, but most likely it will be PCA. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely be there. All right. Sounds good, my friend. If you want to go for vegan food, too, you just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no will. All right, no will. man. All right. But yeah, best of luck to you. Uh, safe travels. I know you head down uh, the Memphis and stuff, so uh, be safe. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. That's Eric right, Bay of Black Star Line Cigars uh, here on the Prime Time Show. Um, so, Aaron, um, we haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because of... Uh, various shows and days of uh soprano segment let's get back into one i figured tonight right. um and i picked a character tonight i picked phil leotardo tonight um okay i was starting to watch some of the later years of the sopranos and uh phil leotardo became a uh a more prominent character during i think those last two or three years for sure yeah um here's kind of an interesting thing um I guess growing up in an Italian house is a lot of times someone would take um, someone's name and they'd add a Y to it. Right. So right. you had like uh, Joey or yep. Vinny. Yep. And I always kind of laughed on this show because little Carmine would call him uncle Philly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, that was such an Italian thing. Like with someone who I do, I did know someone named Phil that they called Philly in, in the neighborhood. So I, I was kind of interesting with that. Right. Um, but a um, couple of things. Um, he was a. I thought Phil was a great character, in my opinion. I would agree. I I, I do, and you know there was that succession that happened. Um, it went from Big Carmine to Johnny Sack to Phil, but to me, Phil was the best. Like Big Carmine was just old at that point. Right. Uh, Johnny Sack. I think you know he when he went to prison, that whole softening up thing, and he kind of. Yeah. But Phil was like that true gangster. He was hell bent on revenge. Uh, you know, he spent time in, in jail. Then he wants to avenge his brother. Phil was like the great, uh, that great, I thought, gangster type character. Yeah. I mean, it, at least he started out that way. I think later, a little bit later on, they kind of made him a little, a little weaker. Like when he was hiding up in the bedroom and, you know, and then they came to his house and he didn't I want forgot to about that. down. Yeah. yeah um and just kind of some other yeah um like that time where uh, tony was chasing him oh and yeah and you know there's a cu- cu- couple of those things that kind of jump out at me like, like uh, you know he had a little bit of a weak spot there but 
otherwise he was a he was a pretty tough character which i, I thought was cool yeah yeah i mean the whole thing with the car is is hysterical when i guess uh he goes to pussy's widow mm-hmm. who's running the auto body shop and, and he's just like this car giving her a hard time yeah giving her a hard time exactly yeah on that as well yeah. um you mentioned the chase scene um i think that chase scene is is it's one of it's the best it's one of my favorite tony soprano driving moments yeah uh you know he's just we they're weaving in and out of traffic right. and uh phil uh he then goes oh mister you're all right and he's like choking phil out of that thing as well <laughs> um certainly with that um it was you know so that that was a, obviously a really good um scene as well uh the whole thing eventually when phil dies i mean they just yeah. the whole thing about the car rolling over him it was yeah just, they really sent him out <laughs> yeah they really sent them out as well um but no it was a it was very good um he was also i think a very key ca- i mean he's the guy who eventually that whole thing with the tony blondetto storyline here's what i didn't understand okay and maybe and i i, I should why did why did tony kill Phil's brother, Tony Blundetto killed Phil's brother. Do you remember why? I don't, I don't, I don't think that was really clear. I don't, it was never uh, clear what, to me. What That's what I was, was. It was never, it was like, it was almost like something just snapped at Tony Blundetto and he killed the brother. And I was like, well, what led to this? I, I there was nothing that really made sense. I don't know if it was yeah. part of the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Blundetto, uh, character as far as that went. Right. Um, with, with that. So, um, that was pretty interesting as well. I think the other thing is it was he played a prominent role in the whole uh, Vito Spadaforce uh, storyline. Yep. Which was kind of it was his. Was it was it his daughter? He was married. He married to his daughter. He was married to Vito's sister, I thought. Sister. Because Vito had a kid had a teenage son. So I'm pretty sure it was it was. Marie Spatafore was was Phil's sister or or cousin or something. Maybe a cousin. Yeah, I think his sister would be too old. Yeah, so. I think it was a cousin that it was. Okay. Uh, but it was very, it, you know, you think about, and we haven't talked much about that. Uh, it was a very groundbreaking. You talk about, the, I know the word groundbreaking is used a lot, but the whole Vito right. Spatafore homosexual thing in, in the mop was, was kind of really something new that hadn't been explored before. Yeah. And, and obviously Phil's just, you know, when Phil finds yeah. out, he goes nuts. The scene where he took the son out for ice cream, uh, it was pretty. It was, it was a decent job of having trying to have a legit conversation with the child from an adult about a weird situation for somebody that's in that that kind of lifestyle or cultural background. So yeah, you know, yeah. he didn't like go nuts on the kid. He he kind of gave it to him straight, but. You yeah, know, he told him to get his shit together, not, and uh, not, you know, with a little bit of softness there. So yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, you know, and and I know the there's a whole that whole thing where the other thing that comes out, and this is talked a lot about. You know, I, I've seen this, the whole pride of the Italian. There's that one scene where it's the whole pride of the Italians, and they talk about like he talks about how they misspelled the name at Ellis Island and how they right. were disrespected and. Uh, and again, I, I thought that was a uh, a real um, I thought that was a real kind of a good representation they did of, you know, yeah. again, because a lot of that you, you've heard of things as well. Right. 
but you mentioned you mentioned some of the soft softening. Um, the scene that I guess now that I'm thinking about it, the scene that really I remember where he got soft was um, was actually when he was in the hospital, and mm-hmm. Tony comes to visit him, and Tony's trying to make peace with him over this whole thing, and right. uh, uh, and it's Phil definitely softened up there, but it didn't take long for him to turn back on Tony after really? that. Either. Yeah, yeah, either on that um, with that. So um, you know he. Uh, you know, but I actually I thought I thought it was like I said, I, I thought he was one of the the better. I thought Frank Vincent was was the perfect guy for that role um, and uh, definitely enjoyed him as a character as well. Um, I had one more comment on Phil there. Um, do, do you think they do you think like I don't I guess when they when they killed Phil, right? I, I, I kind of look like it, it had to happen, right? I think it was yeah. yeah. I mean I, I don't think there was any way they could have kept the Phil character. I mean, he died in the last episode or the second to last episode, but I don't think there was any way that I always kind of felt he was gonna die and right and it was gonna be it was gonna be at, at Tony's hands at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um the other thing, I did have one. This is the other comment I missed. So Phil killed a woman. He killed that woman. Um, ordering the, I remember he, there was a scene, that woman. I, uh, oh, he killed the, the, the lady that was like the loan shark lady. The loan shark, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, that is something that, again, typically doesn't happen. Lady it, boss. It, it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, well, Lady Boss, but even even so, like just whacking a woman is not something that normally did. I thought that was kind of another interesting thing as well. Yeah. Um. So. so yeah. I would have liked to have seen, like, it just kind of she just kind of popped up and then was gone. I would have liked to have actually seen, like, maybe some more story on like how that situation had occurred. You know how she got to that position and all that stuff. Yeah, it was just kind of a too too fast of an in and out kind of a thing. It was that, and you know, we talked about that. I know this came up. I think on one of the other things we talked about with this. Do you remember when they went to Italy? They had that woman boss there too. I right. kind of would really like to, to explore that. Now that you say this part, I agree. Yeah. It's kind of one of those loose ends that would have been really nice to explore at some point. Yeah. Yep, and uh, also the probably the infamous. Uh, Nickname he had was the Shah of Iran. Yeah, that's <laughs> of Iran. Uh, so no, it was good. Um, again, I thought uh, I thought Frank Vincent was great in that role. Uh, he, uh, in my, like I said he, my opinion, he was just um, he and he, and he passed. Frank Vincent's passed. I yeah. believe a few years ago. So, um, and I think he was a well-known cigar guy. Or at least he was on the cover of Aficionado. I don't know. Right. So. so. All right, so that was our Sopranos thing for this week. Uh, we're rolling through the show tonight. So uh, what we'll do is we'll get the last round of sponsors, and then we'll get into our final segment, um, which is uh, – Aaron, if the notes aren't clear, that's because I my notes, I think I told you I, I imploded the notes for the second time. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of walk you through if it's not clear, sure. so uh, what I was talking about. But all right, let's mention first uh, uh, J.C. Newman Scar Company. 
Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations at 126 years, J.C. Newman is handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hall, J.C. Newman rolls premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pence Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua and serves Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco or A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas Connecticut, the Casa Cuevas Abano, Casa Cuevas Maduro, La Mandaria, Patrimonial Lines, as well as the Cuevas Reserva. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars, from our Casa to yours. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura's first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican rapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while in pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura, the Explorer, and explore the wonderful experience. And we're going to get into our industry deliberation segment, sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There is no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the consensus, including Half Wheel's number one consensus cigar of the year with the Mi Corita Tricky Tracker in 2020. You can visit dttcigars.com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Aaron, the topic tonight, right, that I wanted to deliberate through um, is media and media getting cigar brands if that makes sense does that make does that do you mean like a the media company coming out with their own cigar kind of a thing yeah branding a cigar okay yes. got it okay. branding a cigar so i mean for example we've seen this with like dojo i think is a good example he's not the right. only one to do it um and I'll kind of just I want to kind of explore this a little more. Right. Because uh, like Cigar Authority just did one. Right. As sure. Well, so I want to kind of explore this a little more and kind of get some. Stuff. So here's the first question I have for you. Um, would, would this ever be something that you would consider for developing palettes? I don't think so. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, you know, we're not we don't have a crazy following of people that probably want to buy cigars from us um you know most people think we hate cigars so why would they buy cigars that we we <laughs> wanted to sell uh the other thing is that um well i'll save the rest of my reason why not because that i'll cover it very detailed in all the your follow-up questions okay that's, that's so right. um i'm in a similar boat as well and for similar reasons um i I don't think um, it would work for me either. Um, I have, I have, I have been asked. I have entertained it, but it never went very far. Mm -hmm. Like it was, and, and and but I hesitate 
because maybe I would do it with a charity angle, but it would have to be like a, a, a legit, like where I don't make any money off of it. Right. Right. Um, and even so, like, then people say, well, I'm promoting the brand with it. So that's where it gets a little tricky. But but maybe I would do that. But that's not something I'm given with that. So, you know, I looked at some of these like um, these things and here, you know, here's my here's my first question out here. Um, is this something like cigar media should be getting involved with to begin with, like ma- making making cigars? like branding cigars out there. Is this something that we, sh- we should be doing as a as media? Um, I'm going to say yes and no. Yes. Be- with media, you have to break it up into different kind of categories. Yeah. You know, right. we kind of get in trouble with this a lot of, you know, thinking media applies to kind of the things that you and I do uh, versus what other people do. Um, so if you are not, if you are not really doing reviews or you're doing more just kind of like, random videos of, you know, talking about cigars or talking about cigar topics and things like that. Um, influencers, things of that nature. Like those are in those aspects, I think it's fine. Um, you know, the, the goal I think is to have an, you know, to have an audience, um, that you can sell cigars to. And if you have that audience that's willing to buy then, and that's an avenue that you can make money on, then I would say, go for it. Um, I think when you get into the side of being a reviewer or, you know, it takes on a different, uh, takes on a different connotation. Um, you, you know, uh, you, you have to deal with, you know, how, how are you sourcing, you know, where are you sourcing the cigars from? Does that put you in a weird position of being unbiased when you're reviewing cigars from that brand or that factory? Um, and then the other thing is just, uh, you know, getting to my personal feelings is that, for me to want to put my name or the brand name onto a cigar, it would have to be a completely phenomenal cigar. You know, yeah. I'm not putting out, you know, bundle cigars with development palettes name on it just to say, we've got a cigar, you know, that we're selling. So, you know, I probably would never be ha- happy enough with the cigar to say, I'll put my name on it or the site's name on it. So that's why I wouldn't do it. And also the aspect of, like I said, you have to deal with the potential of, you know, conflict of interest with whatever company or factory that you're kind of working with. And if that kind of ties into changing your thoughts on doing those reviews. Yeah. I mean, I know, for example, like a couple of examples, like Dojo didn't, does not review the Dojo cigars. Right. Um, They, but they do work, but they, like they just did a Hoya de Nicaragua. I'm sure they're reviewing Hoya de Nicaragua's, right? Right. So that becomes the thing. And I'm not questioning the ethics there. It, it just, like you said, it does it become a conflict of interest in right. one way or another. I, I think it's a, I think it's a fair question, but I, I, and, but then I saw cigar authority did theirs, And I think Barry did review that cigar. So, I mean, so that, you know, I, and I don't think there's any need to review your own cigar. Right. If you want to do it, like Eric puts photos up or something like that. And I think they, they do like a photo. They, they do like a photo thing. Yeah. yeah photo yeah, thing of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The who's the right fit for this in terms of media? It, so I look at, for example, um, you and I, I consider more hardcore media, non I, I would consider ourselves non influencers. Correct. All right, we, have zero, we have zero influence. We have, because we're going to, and Charlie, I'd put in that category where we're not going to be afraid to cut something up. Like right. we're not going to be afraid to be outspoken on it. Right. Yeah. Whereas an influencer is, the opposite i think when you 
on the opposite end of pure influence is going to be spewing nothing but positivity on on just the positive things. Right. And then there's some things in the in the middle. Like I'd say maybe the dojo guys are are closer to that center. Uh, maybe I'd put them a little more on the influencer end, but uh, you know they're not afraid to give a bad review it from time to time either. So is this something that is better suited for an influencer or a non-influencer? I mean, I would say the obvious is it's it's more suited for an influencer in this case. Yeah, I would I would really make the I would think I would draw the line at uh, hardcore reviewers would be the the no goes the no goes. Yeah, if you're a hardcore reviewer, I think that you kind of have to look at that uh, kind of how I explained it, like saying like you know can I be unbiased with these brands and these factories and things like that? If I'm being involved with, you know, trying to produce something for myself and trying to sell it. Um, I think if you're doing, you know, uh, you know, one-off reviews every once in a while, or you're doing, uh, you know, shows and whatever, uh, on whatever medium, you know, YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you're doing. Um, and you're, you don't really have a focus on the review side of things. I think that's fine. So I think hardcore reviewers know everybody else think by fair game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, um, and this is not a criticism for anyone, because if I had a 200 box order or something, I don't think I'm selling it out instantly, just so you know. Yeah. But, you know, we've seen like I know like Cigar Prop did the back and black cigar. It's still for sale. Uh, they didn't sell it out as quick maybe as they wanted to. So and, and I would say Kevin is a, an influencer and he's got a, a strong follow. But but, you know, it's not a guarantee you're going to sell out these cigars either. Um, you know, the, I think I think we're seeing a little slowdown with some of these too, like the Dojo Ninjago didn't sell out as fast as it did last time. So I think there's a little bit of a saturation point. That's and I think that's hitting the limit. I don't. I think this is more of the limited market in general getting hit with right. It right now. Yeah. So I think I think you're feeling a, a little bit of of those types of things, uh, as far as those go. Um. Do yeah. So this question I had and, and I word this right, but I mentioned. Do media brands make the right release for a cigar brand? And that was what I had in the notes, but let me explain what that meant. So does it make more sense for a company to do a release maybe branded through a media outlet as opposed to making it a uh, part of their line? So an example of that is, I'll use Dojo again because he's done a lot of these. The Pencil Tucky that Skip did. Right. Lancero, right? Does it make more sense, like, for something like that? If you're going to do a line extension of Whiskey Rebellion in a was it Lancero Lonsdale? I forget. Yeah, was I don't it? remember the size. Yeah, I don't remember the size, but it was a, it was more closer to that Panatella size. Yeah. Does it make more sense to say, you know what? Maybe this is something we push with the Dojo community, um, as opposed to trying to push this as, to a limited amount of, of retailers nationwide. Uh, I think it can. I think if the if the media's sites uh, or entities uh, fan base uh, likes something particular about that release, maybe it's the size, maybe it's the type of tobacco, maybe it's the brand that's part being partnered up with. Um, it can make sense to do that. Um, and uh, you know, just for partnership partnership uh, aspects, um, as well as you know, focus sales and you know, wanting to just sell a particular number of cigars in a in a run. And know that you have a pretty good chance of probably, you know, selling through it fairly quickly. It it can make sense that way. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that as well. I can definitely see that as well. Um, 
you know, and I, I always I was looking at the you know the Cigar Authority's recent they did that twelfth uh, anniversary release, and I know there's been a lot of jokes about like uh, Dave Garofalo. They did a Lancero for, for that, right? And, you know, yeah. the big joke is Dave's not a fan of Lancero's, but he did it anyway. Um, but did it make sense? I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a bad idea they had with that, because from what I understand, that was not being sold in stores; it was being sold for their audience, the online mm-hmm. community, and geared more at their audience. Where that may be the best shot to try to release a Lancero. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I mean, you're not seeing like like media guys release like Solomons or anything like that, you know. Right. Uh I've seen a couple of people release Gordo. I think Dojo may have released one Gordo or something like that, but mm-hmm. he again he's the exception. He's done a lot of these right now. Yeah. Um What is what is Aaron, what do you think is the um the track record of these? Because I don't think that I mean I have some opinions on, on, on how well this track record, I mean, track record of these media branded cigars. Well, I, mean, I think Dojo's probably the most successful uh, in regards to this. And I think, you know, maybe more some of the earlier stuff than the more, the more recent stuff, but that, that the more recent stuff isn't probably a knock on them. It's just kind of the, how the market is for the limited. And, and That's what that I would stuff. say too. Yeah. Um, but for other sites and I'm, I don't know, there's a ton of them, but, um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know that they have the following that they think that they need to, to be able to sell through what they're are required to have to, you know, have this cigar come out kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, they, maybe they make a run and they sell some and then they end up sitting on a bunch and they sell some here and there and they smoke a bunch themselves and kind of go at it like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know that there's like other than dojo. I don't know that anybody that's really big enough that can sell uh, enough cigars to really make much sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was cigar authority hasn't sold through the Lanceros yet. Yeah. Um, now I don't, I, I would think that they would have enough. They have probably the biggest podcast audience. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's going to reach with it, it's them. So, is it maybe that they, the Lancer really doesn't appeal to people? I, I don't know, but um, I see sometimes people buy these Dojo cigars sight unseen. Right. Um, you know, the, I think the other problem Cigar already had with their cigar is it wasn't co-branded. Mm-hmm. I think that was the, I think they, even if it was, even if they say, hey, we're co-branding this with United Cigars, I, I think that would have made a big difference with sure. them with that. Um, say, you know, kind of, and that's what Dojo does is he co-brands the cigar yeah. with, with everyone else. Uh, Kevin co-branded his cigar. Um, and, and I, I don't think it's unfair to say if Kevin had a success or failure of that, um, because he, I think that was a pretty big box order he put through smoke in. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like 500 box. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot for anybody. Um, but he didn't sell. I, I think he might've been under the impression. I think I heard him say he was hoping to sell that out like, like a couple hours and, and Obviously, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Kaplowitz had one with Illusioni. Uh, but I, again, you know, I didn't see people like going and. Yeah, that, to... that I don't think that sold well at all. And then it became as uh, actually a regular release that was because it was a store exclusive. Yeah, it was a CG4 Candela. Yeah. Right. And it was for a store in Idaho. Right. Yep. And they in the Idaho store, they did try to promote it. It isn't like mm-hmm. they tried. They didn't promote. They did promote that cigar. Um, but I didn't see people saying, I got to run out to get a Kaplowitz 
Illusioni collaboration. It's just, right. I didn't, I, I didn't see that happening. And, and that's one where I just don't think he had the reach. I think that's, that was the real reason with that one. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting one as well. Um, but again, I think if like, I'll just take something with Dojo's done that sold out quick, like the first release of the Ninjaragua, right? Which yeah. sold out. If that was Coop, it would not have sold out. That yeah. I mean, I'm going to be completely transparent. It wouldn't. Because yeah. again, I don't think, I don't think I, I, I play to um, that. And you know, I got a good lesson with that with Battle of the Bands because when, right. when, when you went up against an influencer like Kevin, I would put Brian Glenn's got a big community in Dojo. There was a yep. huge difference with that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like those guys have built all three of those guys have built communities. And that's why they were a lot more. It wasn't because the cigars were, you know, better or worse in that case. It was strictly yeah. who the community was in that case. Yep. The other thing that I can say, the one thing I did dabble in, and I kind of got a little education, and this is why I don't, I don't think I would ever um, do a, uh, a cigar. You know, when I did the coffee thing with Logan, I'll yeah. tell you, the, the first batch sold out, like, super fast. Yeah. Like, so I said, let's do more. And the second batch took forever to sell out. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, either the coffee <laughs> for me the coffee sucked, right? So yeah. maybe it's something like you know, again, my, my what I like might not be what everyone else likes. Going back to what you were saying before, right? Yeah. So um, you know, I think that's what happens with that as well. Yeah. All right. So another question I had for you, Aaron, is um, a media outlet, right? Should they be like a sandbox to like build a brand? And, I, and an example again, I keep going back to the dojo example because they've done mm-hmm. so many of them, right? Yeah. Um. But for example, the the Camacho Imperial Stout was a project that they they played a little with, um, you know, where they were playing around with those Oscar Blues barrels. Is that a good way to maybe use a, a media brand with that, like to kind of co-brand that stuff? Again, I think Dojo is kind of a one-off just because of the the audience that you know you have enough people that will actually buy it. But um, yeah. I, in that sense, yeah, I mean, why not? If you uh, want to test something out and uh, the dojo is interested in, you know, kind of partnering up on whatever it is that you're working on. Um, you know, that's a good way to do it. Um, Cause then you get it, you get to see what people think if there's, you know, a bigger draw for it and you can release it uh, wider than that. Um, but I mean, I also would be curious to know, uh, you know, what was the fuller production run and, you know, how, how quickly did that sell um, after that, you know, initial release through the dojo. Um, to kind of see, you know, was it as good as they thought, or was it kind of similar to what you had with the coffee, where you know that initial run goes quick? You think that there's a, there's a draw for wanting people wanting it to come back, and then it comes back, and then you know it does. It's not people are not, it's not excited yeah. about it. No, I, I agree, but he, I thought that was a huge risk what they did um, with that Oscar Blues project with Camacho because, like. What if that? What if that? What if it sucked like totally? Right? Yeah. It was so much investment and time putting in. How do you not go to market with at that point? You know, right? With that, with that cigar, good or yeah. bad. I mean, I guess you could say for anything, but if that one was the case where they were they were really hands on involved with it, I, I think there's just a huge risk um, with this. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I haven't seen. Has there been a media cigar that people have said like this? This really sucks across the board. I don't know if I've seen that happen. Not a, you won't get that across the board. No, um, just because other media sites or other review sites have their own standards of what they think is a good cigar, and yeah, 
it's going to pass. But I think we've had internal discussions where we've smoked cigars like yeah. that. We've said that these are not good cigars. So uh, we have to. Yeah. I mean, we haven't in, in general with that. Um, there was one, I think, I think someone killed the Brian Glenn cigar, which I didn't think it was. I had it. I didn't think it was. Mm, it I, haven't, I haven't smoked it. So I yeah. Say. It was at first. I, I think I saw one review that did kill that, but that was, you know, I didn't think it was a bad cigar, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, and I don't, and I'll be honest, I don't know if there has been a new cigar brand that like has come with one of these media ones that say, Hey, this is the next great thing. And I'm going to take dogmas out with Drew Estate. Yeah. Because again, that was already an existing line that was extended. So, yeah. Um, I did, I know I was, a, I did like the Camacho one a lot. I know you weren't as high on that one as I mm-hmm. was. But um, but yeah, that's that's probably that as well. Yeah. So, um, but certainly, I mean, I'll just kind of wrap it up. I don't. I think this market is slowing down with the mm-hmm. limiteds enormously. Um, if if I'm if I'm giving advice to any media person, think real hard if you want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, yeah, yeah, this is my opinion on that. You have to go into it thinking that you're going to be sitting on a bunch of boxes that you have to that. Yeah, you're gonna smoke yourself. Yeah, you know, uh, you, we'll have, your, we'll reach have a, is, your reach probably isn't as big as you think it is. Yeah, we'll have a strong fanboy network out there, <laughs> right. right? Seriously, where you know people are gonna buy three or four of these bundles at a time yeah, and yeah. they come out because uh, honestly, uh, you know, I don't know. I, it, I don't. I don't. My big fear is it flops and then they're sitting there, and yeah. uh, nor look. And I, I've said this a thousand times. Nor is someone gonna say, "Hey, Coop." Come down to the factory. We're gonna roll up our sleeves. You're gonna hand select tobacco. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you're gonna create the most great. It, it isn't happening, guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. guy, it, 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 I've had my creations out of the factory, and and uh, they they are just they. I I actually think I want to do one and have you guys score it on developing palettes, and I want to think it, I think it will be the lowest scoring cigar ever. So <laughs> I, I bet you it wouldn't be. But <laughs> it'd be all right. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. All right. All right. So, uh, and by the way, uh, the Phillies won, but I banned Aaron Rubin from talking about the Yankees with me anymore. There you go. You know, so I'm not answering him. Yeah. Yeah. He, because uh, he, when he gets Yankee criticism, he gets all defensive. Mm. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, anything else, Aaron, before we kind of wrap this one up? Nope. I think we're all set. All right. So, a um, couple of programming notes. We're back in the swing of things. Uh, primetime is back for episode 226 next uh, Thursday. I'm going to be a lot more careful with the notes this time, Aaron, but uh, right. we, we're going to have on a, a guy by the name of Alex Svensson. Um, he's got a long history with Cigar.com and Cigars International. Uh, he has a wealth of knowledge, this guy, so um, you're going to want to tune in for that. We'll be back at 10 o'clock on, on, um, on um, Thursday nights. Um, we have primetime jukebox also next Monday, episode 70. We're going to be going through the final four of the March Madness. So McTavish and Hector are going to be joining Dave and I nice. um, for that show on that will air on Monday night. So you want to stay tuned uh, for that. All right. So uh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, I want to thank Eric Bay as well. Thanks to our audience. And that's going to wrap up primetime episode 225 into the annals of history for this Wednesday, April 27th. Uh, yeah, we'll be here before midnight. How about that? Yep. Um, so we'll see everybody next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys.